Can you hear me now? We, we have to record this for my assessment for North American Mission Board, so, uh, so sometimes these microphones can be a little frustrating. Um, but uh, God, is, God is very good. God is amazing in how he works. Um, my, my normal Bible reading uh, every day for the last 20-plus years, I read uh, a book of uh, a chapter of Psalms, um, and I repeat through that every five months. I read a chapter of Proverbs, and I repeat through that every month. And then I read a chapter in the Old Testament uh, book that I'm studying, and then I read a chapter in New Testament uh, book that I'm studying. And today's passage for me in my Old Testament book was Isaiah chapter 53. Um, which is, ironically, uh, where we're going to partly find ourselves uh, through Philip and Acts chapter 8, because the Ethiopian eunuch was reading out of Isaiah 53. So I just thought that was neat how God lined that up for me today. Um, let me open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today, Lord, and we just thank you and praise you for your glorious word and how it works how it works in our lives. Lord, I love how um, we can find Jesus in the Old Testament, smack dab in the middle of Isaiah, uh, all throughout the book of Isaiah, all throughout the Old Testament. If we're, if we're willing to look, we see Jesus in every book, in every chapter of our, of our Bibles. Father, we just pray today that um, I would be like Philip and would make much of you and little of myself. Father, we bless you, we thank you, and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, as Scott read earlier in Acts chapter 6, where we're at in, in the life of the church is God is doing some amazing things. And he starts with 120 um, we know that from uh, the Gospels and, and uh, that there was 120 of them um, after Jesus uh, died and resurrected. and uh, So there's 120 believers. And then we, I mean, Luke, as he records in the book of Acts, it is just, it, it's boom. It's on, game on, Acts chapter 1. Uh, the Holy Spirit falls on the, on the new believers. Jesus promised that he would. Jesus ascends to the Father. And then everything in their world gets turned upside down uh, for good. And the church is exploding. And Peter preaches. And 3,000 people get saved in one day. And that's a church growth model that I think every pastor would love to see, uh, except for the headaches that would come with adding 3,000 people in one day. And we see some of those headaches uh, in Acts chapter 6. The, the apostles, the, uh, the, uh, there were some issues with some of the widows not getting served um, just because there were, there, were so many, there were so many things happening, so many things going on. And so as the passage that Scott read earlier, they said, look, we need to be able to spend time 
devoted to preaching and teaching the Word of God. And so we need you to pick some, some men among you, seven men among you, who are full of the Spirit, who are godly people, who, are, who you know to be living godly lives. And, and they're going to help do serve the tables. This is the formation of the first group of deacons to serve in ministry. And so um, the, 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 the folks come together and they, they pick out these seven men. And uh, part of the reason I just wanted to see if Scott could struggle reading through all those names because uh, some of the names are not easy to just roll right off the tongue. Um, they wanted people who had qualities in, in being fair and loving. They wanted those who already were in love with the Lord, already serving. Um, this was just an official affirmation of ordaining them into a, into a ministry role. But they were already doing this role. It wasn't pick seven men and you're going to not know what you're going to get. These are people, these are men that were already serving already loved the Lord. They were already doing it. Uh, they wanted those who would be obedient in heart and action. And, and, and you, you know, they didn't pick people who said, you know, that, that's not my spiritual giftedness. I, I, took the, I took the spiritual assessment test, and, and I just don't have the gift for service. Um, they also didn't, they didn't pick people who said, that's not fair. I want to be an apostle. I don't want to be a table servant. They, they picked seven men whose hearts were on fire for the Lord, who were doing it day in and day out. And, and this, just was, this was just an overflow of what they were already doing in their lives. Um, the title of my sermon today is the question, What's more glorious than the miraculous? And the answer is this. More glorious than the miraculous is the faithfulness of the righteous. The, mir the miracles and the miraculous of God adding to their numbers daily was accomplished through His Spirit working through the day in and day out of mature, faithful believers loving the Lord and serving Him with everything that they had. God could trust them with the miraculous because they were living it out day by day, what it means to be a mature Christ follower. And so right after the choosing of the seven, at, at, at some point, we, we don't have days, months, weeks listed, but not long after the choosing of this, one of those dear brothers, Stephen, is arrested, tried, and killed at the foot of, of the one who would become the Apostle Paul. He sat there and watched. And so the, the church experiences really one of its first outpourings of horrific things from a worldly perspective of something that happens to him. One of these dear beloved brothers, Stephen, is, is stoned to death. And, and the amazing thing is, is, and you can read this in Acts chapter 7, is while he is being stoned um, and the vitriol, I, I can't imagine, I, back before I was saved, I was stabbed in a bar fight 
And I know how much being stabbed hurts. I can't imagine being stoned to death. Um, that, that's not a, that's not a, A, it happened in, you know, 12 seconds kind of thing. And while he is being stoned, he is praying for those who are killing him. And, and on, a, on a side note, uh, when Paul finally arrives in heaven, I, I like to think that Stephen was probably one of the first ones running up to hug him and saying, I love you, brother. Let's go, let's go, let's go look at Jesus' face. Um, that's the kind of men that they chose. These weren't apostles. These weren't pastors. These were everyday lay people who were so in love with the Lord, just living out their daily loving Jesus. And, and they got to be used in such a way. So this great persecution comes. Uh, this, this young persecutor uh, that we would call Paul is... Uh, he, he is addressed here as Saul, but uh, I, I want to just... Saul does not get converted and then become Paul. Uh, Saul and Paul are the exact same name. Uh, he's not given a new name. It's just spoken differently. Um, so it's not like he's Saul at one point, and then his name is changed to Paul. Saul and Paul mean the same thing. Um, so... Um, so this persecution breaks out, and then we see the record of Philip in Acts chapter 8. In verse 4, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits crying out with loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or were lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. This is Philip. Again, he's not a pastor. He's not an apostle. He's a, he's a lay leader. He's a deacon now. He's serving. But again, this is, this is from the outflow of what he's already been doing as a Christ follower. Um. I'm going to kind of jump over uh, a section in Acts chapter 8 uh, just because there's so much there. But this, the next section, we see Simon the Magician who comes to the Lord. I'm going to come back a little bit and talk about Simon the Magician. Um, but I want to get to really looking at Philip and the main, the main part of Philip. Um, again, more glorious then the miraculous is the faithfulness of the righteous. The miraculous of God casting out demons and healing was accomplished through his spirit, working through the faithfulness of Philip to preach the word and to live his life on mission for God. Um, in, in Matthew 28, we, we all know this passage that um, it's the, the, the words there literally say, as you are going. As you are living out your lives, you need to be making disciples and teaching them and doing all these things. The Great Commission that we always uh, I love that, that passage. But it's as you are going. As you are living out your daily life of following Christ, 
do these things. And this is what we see Philip doing as he was going. Our main text today is Roman or Romans, Acts chapter 8, uh, verses 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied. Justice was denied him. Who could describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is it about himself or about someone else? Then with the scripture, excuse me, I'm sorry. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here, what it, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, and he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So Philip is led by the Spirit of the Lord to go out into the desert, to a road. He says, just go. Philip didn't argue with God that that wasn't his calling. Well, Lord, I'm, I'm not supposed to go to be a desert prophet. I'm, I'm supposed to do whatever. He didn't argue with God that it wasn't his calling. He simply did what he always did. He obeyed the Lord and followed. Same thing that he did when he was set aside to, to wait tables in Acts chapter 6. He rose and went. When I'm dead and gone and Megan has put up a great you know, obelisk or something for me at, a, at whatever graveyard she plants me in. Um, if she writes on there, he rose and went for Jesus, I'll be content. That's what Philip did. He rose and he went. All right, God, wherever you're leading me, I don't understand why you're sending me to a desert road, but I'm going to rose and went. Now, that's not proper English, but proper life living, rosing and winting. And so Philip rose and went. He encounters a foreigner, a eunuch, 
from uh, Candace's court, an Ethiopian eunuch who had come to Jerusalem. Likely, these Ethiopians were believers of some sort uh, because of Solomon, um, but they don't exactly know. Obviously, it's clear here in the text, he doesn't know exactly who they're worshiping. And he's reading Isaiah 53. So if, if you ever have somebody tell you that Jesus can't be found in the Old Testament, just tell them that they've never read the Old Testament um, because Jesus is everywhere in the Old Testament. And in fact, and when, when the Ethiopian eunuch that we don't even know his name is reading Isaiah 53, and Philip hears him reading it, and, and he, he asked him, you understand what you're reading? And the guy's like, nope, not unless somebody tells me what I'm reading. So he needs somebody to explain to him. So while Jesus is there in the Old Testament, obviously his name is not mentioned, um, at least at this point. Um, other names for Jesus are mentioned in the Old Testament. But, but here there's still some blindness by this Ethiopian eunuch. He, he's wanting to serve God. He's wanting to be faithful um, and, and so Philip is, was placed there to, to, to get him on over the hump, to get him to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Philip doesn't, doesn't even argue the fact that, that this man is a foreigner. Uh, devout Jews were not even allowed to enter homes of Gentiles, they would they, it would they would be considered unclean. And yet Philip says, "I'm not." He doesn't even argue with God that this foreigner is there, and he gets up into his chariot with him. And it says that starting with this passage, so starting with Isaiah 53, he teaches this man about Jesus. And it is clear in the time that they are in the chariot that this Ethiopian eunuch becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. And so he looks up and he, at, at some level, he understands there needs to be some obedience to Jesus Christ, immediate obedience to Jesus Christ. And Philip has obviously taught him in this about baptism, which is... When you go back to, again, to the Great Commission in Matthew 28, go and make disciples, baptizing them. So this is, Philip is just living out his, what, what he knows Scripture to be teaching, and, and, and obviously the, the apostles' teaching, because none of it's really kind of written down yet. So, so this Ethiopian eunuch says, well, here's some water. What's to stop me from being baptized? Um, I am definitely going to be one of those who lands on, um, uh, uh, I have some, some dear friends back in Indiana who would hold to that baptism needs to be held off for a while until people understand it fully. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer. I, I'm kind of going to go like the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip and say, uh, at some level, there's just there's just a call to obedience, and and baptism for me should be pretty immediate. 
Um, it shouldn't be something that uh, I waited uh, when I was saved in 1996. I got saved in August of 1996, and I was not baptized until New Year's Eve, uh, 1996. And I, and I think that that was too long. Um, there was a, that's a giant gap that kind of eliminates immediate obedience. Um, but I was also saved in a church that thought that you should fully understand uh, baptism and, and all of its components before you get baptized. And I just, well, I just don't think that that's a really much of a biblical model. Um, so uh, while I do, I mean, obviously Philip taught the Ethiopian eunuch about baptism, but surely he didn't have time to go into all the depths and intricacies of, of fully understanding what baptism is. And so he says, hey, there's water. What's there to keep me from being baptized? And Philip says, there's nothing. So they hop down and they get in a ditch. And this Ethiopian eunuch is baptized right there on the side of the road in a ditch, in, in, a, in a little pond or something. We just know it was some water. And as soon as he comes up out of the water, Philip is gone. And, and I love how, uh, how Luke even knows, obviously by the, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, um, this Ethiopian eunuch is basically left alone, but we have recorded here in Scripture that he goes away rejoicing uh, as he's heading back to Ethiopia. Uh, so somehow the Holy Spirit gives that knowledge to Luke, and Luke wrote it for us in the book of Acts. And Philip is, so Gaza is about 65 miles southwest of Jerusalem. So uh, southwest for you all, southeast for me. So uh, Philip is down here in Gaza. Azatos is 45 miles due west of Jerusalem. Uh, Azatos is another name for the Old Testament city of Ashdod. So up to about 400 square miles, or about 260,000 acres, is covered in the snap of God's finger. He moves Philip from one location to the next. Um, big Marvel fan, that's better than Thanos' snap, I promise you, and the reverse snap, because this was, one, was a real one. God moves Philip uh, from Gaza to Asatas. More glorious than the miraculous is the faithfulness of the righteous. The miraculous of God transporting Philip in an instant was accomplished through his spirit, working through faithful obedience of Philip to go and do what God wanted him to do. The reason why God did that with Philip is because he knew Philip wouldn't make it about him. Oh, look what God did to me. And the text tells us that Philip doesn't make a big deal out of being transported over 200,000 acres, over 400 square miles in an instant. It says when he got there, he just kept on preaching. He just kept on doing what he had been doing every day, loving Jesus, worshiping him, and serving him. 
as he was going. Now, I, I, I'm sure that maybe in his mind he's like, wow, God just moved me that quick. But we don't see that in Scripture, so I'm just, you know, because I probably would. I'd be like, wow, that was weird. But he kept on going, doing what he was supposed to be doing. And again, Philip is not a, he's not an apostle. He's not a pastor. He's, he's an everyday lay servant of the Lord who wants to glorify God in his life in everything that he is doing as he is going. Because through the Spirit, Philip loved, worshipped, studied, and obeyed the Lord, God placed him in a position to minister to someone in desperate need of the gospel. Because Philip was obedient to minister, there was fruit. And because he trusted the Lord for the fruit, he kept on ministering, teaching the gospel as he went, or as he was doing life. Now, at this point, I do want to jump back a little bit to that middle part where we see Simon the magician. I just want to contrast a little bit Philip and Simon. Um, you, you really need to go back and, and read that middle part of Acts chapter 8. Um, but what we see here in the difference is Simon was a magician that liked the glory. In fact, and I'm going to read just briefly Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 13. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Simon was about himself. Philip was about Jesus Christ. Um... Briefly here, I'm going to just kind of take a small little rabbit trail. Um, we see some, there is always going to be a problem I don't, when you translate from original languages to any other language. Um, so it doesn't matter if you read this in the ESV that I just did, if you read it in the King James, the NIV, or any other English translation. When I say this, I don't want you to hear me saying that there's error with the scriptures. There is always some kind of, one of my seminary professors talked about that any translation, you are, there is never a word-for-word -word direct correlation from language to language. Anybody that's ever studied another language knows that sometimes you just can't say exactly what it is that you're, that you're trying to say. So, this passage right here says that he believed. That Simon believed. But Simon, it's not saying that Simon believed in Jesus. The word here in the original is in the dative case. All that means is the dative points to the indirect object. 
of the sentence. The dative does not point to the direct object of the sentence. So what Simon believed in was Philip and the miracles that God was doing through Philip. It doesn't say that he became a believer in Jesus Christ. He simply believed in the signs and wonders, which we see people doing before Jesus died, believing in the signs and wonders, but not believing in Jesus Christ. And we know this because later Peter rebukes Simon wholeheartedly and, and basically tells him, you have nothing of God in you. Because he wants to buy the same thing that he's seeing Philip doing. He, he's trying to, hey, I'll give you money, and that way God can use me for me. And, and we see this in the rest of that passage. Um, and and we, we are not left with any other understanding other than when, when Peter rebukes him, he doesn't, at the end, Simon says, would you pray for me that those curses that you just spoke would not be upon me? Um, and we don't see that, because Peter says, you need to pray and repent. And um, Simon just kind of says, would you pray for me? And that's kind of where it's left at. Um, the whole point of that is looking at Philip is wanting to glorify God. Simon is wanting to glorify Simon. And Philip is the one that is used by God because Philip is about glorifying God. Simon is not used by God because Simon wants to glorify Simon. Even if it means God using Simon, God still or Simon still wants Simon to be glorified. So what we have there is simply a man who got excited, he got wet, and then he got chastised. And we have people all the time in today's who get excited about something they hear in Scripture. They get wet, but it, there's been no heart transformation. Philip had that heart transfer, ha, tra, yeah, transformation, not transportation. Two different words there. Uh, more glorious, um, more glorious than the miraculous is the faithfulness of the righteous. God chose to use Philip because Philip wasn't seeking to be anything but faithful. Simon wanted to be used by God and tried to pay for the gifts so that Simon could be heralded. I want to introduce you, not physically, but to a modern day story of Philip. Um, back in 2018, I was in London for about six weeks. We were, at that point, we were preparing our lives to be uh, IMB missionaries uh, in London, uh, International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, of which Calvary Family of Churches are in the Southern Baptist Convention, and, and the Southern Baptist Convention has two mission agencies, the North American Mission Board, which is missionaries here to North America, and the International Mission Board uh, on foreign soil. And so Megan and I were in that process of being approved by the IMB to be heading to London. So I went there for six weeks to find housing for a family of eight and to find uh, some employment. And I met a man, his name was uh, Katsutoshi Shimitsu and his wife Yukiko. Uh, they were planning a church for Japanese expats there in London. 
And I was uh, so blessed. They, their launch service was Resurrection Sunday um, 2018, and I actually got to be a part of uh, their initial church service uh, in London. Uh, pretty cool thing. Uh, Katsutoshi, uh, obviously, is Japanese. Him and his wife are Japanese. Um, but Katsutoshi grew up in Texas in the 1960s. Uh, just 20 years prior, obviously, some of his friend's fathers were fighting his people in World War II. And when I told him that we were being sent over to London, at the time we thought, by Southern Baptist, uh, Ketsutoshi told me, he said, I love South Baptists. Um, and... Uh, I, I just I thought that was funny, the South Baptist, but he said he loved South Baptist because when he was growing up in Texas, a Southern Baptist church provided groceries and paid bills for his family when they were poor and they didn't have anything and any resources. And so this Southern, some Southern Baptist church in Texas adopted this Japanese family who who, they, who the men who were probably serving as pastors and deacons probably had been men who had fought in World War II. And they could have taken their right to hate this foreign Japanese man and his family, but they didn't. They loved on him. And, and Katsutoshi and his family were not believers. They did not become believers. But yet this Southern Baptist Church or the South Baptist Church in Texas loved this family. Uh, Katsutoshi's family would move back to uh, Tokyo, um, where he would meet Yukiko at their university, and they would get married. Yukiko also had Phillips in her life uh, when she was growing up in Tokyo. Um, there was a, a evangelical church planted by missionaries in Tokyo, um, and this church and these missionaries did the same thing with this young girl. And in fact, they taught her as a child to memorize the Lord's Prayer and to memorize hymns. And she memorized them and she repeated them often, even though she was not a Christian. So Yukiko and Katsutoshi are unable to have children. And so Katsutoshi poured everything he had into his idol of a job. This little company called Toyota. Ever heard of it? Maybe. Uh, he would so pour his life into his company that he would rise to the rank of a vice president of Tokyo, or of, of, uh, of Toyota. And Toyota would send him to London to oversee all of their European plants. But Katsutoshi was consumed with depression and the teaching of his heritage that he was part of the master race, supreme race, that he should be able to rise above depression. If he's any part of the master race, he should be able to squash that. And he could not. And so Katsutoshi decided he was going to commit suicide because in Japanese culture, suicide is much better than bringing shame on your family. And so Yukiko 
desperate to not lose her husband, had him and her start reciting the Lord's Prayer every night and singing hymns. And they had no idea who they were singing to or why this prayer they, that they kept saying, just like the Ethiopian eunuch with Philip. And God miraculously saved this, this Japanese couple in London. He was ready to commit suicide simply because Phillips in their life had loved on them, had taught her how to memorize the Lord's Prayer, taught her how to memorize hymns, and there they are, and God saves them, and then they get plugged into a church which helps them to understand what it was that they were praying and singing about. And Katsutoshi becomes so at one point consumed with depression, he becomes so consumed on the other way for his own people. And they had a life of opulence, and he said, we, we, we blew more money than most people will ever have in their lives. And he said, I've got to be a Philip. I've got to be able to teach my people how to come to know Jesus Christ. And so he resigns from Toyota as a vice president of Toyota, and he comes to seminary in the United States and in Japan. He goes to seminary twice. I don't know why, but he went to seminary twice and moved back to London. They now live in London. Madeline and I have sat in their apartment. It is an extremely modest little apartment in, in a building that was former government housing. So you can imagine this kind of... And they live off of contributions from other churches and they've planted a church, and they've seen some fruit because they had Phillips in their lives when they were younger who were, as they were going, loved on these folks and taught them how to love Jesus. More glorious than the miraculous is the faithfulness of the righteous. Those South Baptists in Texas and the missionaries in Tokyo in the 1960s put aside their perceived rights to hate Japanese people because of events from World War II, and instead decided to be faithful to serve Jesus Christ and point to him. Just doing their everyday thing, whether it was as a missionary or as a regular churchgoer, just living out loving Jesus. So, how can you be a Philip? today. More glorious than the miraculous is the faithfulness of the righteous. Acts 8.27 says that Philip rose and went. Imagine what could be accomplished through the Holy Spirit working in your life today if you simply rose and went. If you just shared your faith with your co-workers, your friends, your family who are lost, day in, day out, as you are going and living your Christian life. What if you made it your everyday goal just to simply love Jesus and let people around you know you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be an apostle, that one's kind of taken care of, you can't really. You don't have to be a missionary on foreign soil. You just have to be a Christian who says, I'm going to rose and went. I'm going to live my day 
day in, day out, loving Jesus, following the Lord, where he leads me. Maybe it's to a desert road. Who knows? Maybe it's to move your membership with us in Los Animas once the church plant gets up and going. I know Scott and Matt would hate to, leave, hate to lose you, but they'd love to lose you at the same time. Who knows? Maybe Rosen went for you does mean up and then moving to a foreign country. He rose and went. And that's the call for every one of us today, to rose and went. And as we are going, living out our day-in, day-out Christian life, nothing, everybody wants to see the miraculous. But more glorious than the miraculous is the faithfulness of the righteous. Every day, being faithful. That's why Philip was used. The spread of the gospel in the secular world can present itself as seemingly random encounters. For us, we know that God's sovereignty had Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch meeting. God's sovereignty brought our family into the Calvary family of churches. Starting, well, God was doing, but, but we really kind of knew about it like between February and July of last year, unbeknownst to us. God's sovereignty had churches ministering to two Japanese children that, could, that would later become husband and wife. And God would, in an amazing way, allow me to meet these two Japanese couples and get to be at their church plant in London in 2018. And so how is God using you to be more glorious than the miraculous and just being faithful? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today, Lord, and we just, Lord, I hope each and every one of us has a desire to live their life like Philip, to just love you, serve you, worship you, not throw down any excuses for why we couldn't do this or can't go there, but to simply, as we are going, living our lives, to be faithful to do what it is that you call us to do and lead us to do, whether it's to go to a, a road in the middle of the desert or it's to love on people who are completely different than us, and come from different cultures and backgrounds. Father, we just want to be faithful. We, 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 we don't want to live our lives looking for the miraculous. We want to, we want to look at, have our lives be the, the faithfulness every day, day in, day out, of the righteous that you call us to be.